Okay, are we on? I think we're good to go. Okay, and so this is the first episode of what we are calling the Emmanuel Thomas Podcast. And so uh, I am Wayne Emmanuel Cradle. And I am Jacob Thomas Settle. And one of the reasons why we uh, wanted to name our podcast Emmanuel Thomas with one because uh, my middle name is Emmanuel and Jake's middle name is Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's because of the fact that Emmanuel means God with us. And your middle name means what, Jake? It means literally twin, but also Thomas is kind of known as the doubter. Um, who wouldn't believe that Jesus had resurrected until he was able to see him face to face and essentially put his hands in the piercings of Jesus' hands and his side. And so in some ways it represents that kind of ever-questioning, um, ever-doubting kind of mentality. And so when we put these together, Emmanuel Thomas, um, it kind of creates this interesting contrast between recognizing that God is ever-present, but then also recognizing that even when God is present, we still doubt and for any listener out there, we know that there is an Emmanuel Thomas contrast in all of us. An mm-hmm. E.T., so to speak. We are trying to trying to find our way home. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are. You know, um, and trying to figure out what home looks like while recognizing uh, that God is in many ways present, but also our doubts is present as well. And so... We want to just be able to uh, provide a platform to be able to to share and dialogue. Um, of course, I'm a I'm a I'm a youth pastor. Um, Jake is a what? What are you, Jake? Uh, technically, so I, my credentials would would be a licensed professional counselor, so uh, a mental health counselor, um, and I'm newly licensed, so I'm not pretending fancy, to take y'all. a uh, an expert position. Per se, but that but that's what I do for a living. So that probably influences a little bit and how I think and how I'll share things. Um, and I think we also want to do this really just like the podcast conversation format, um, which is I think we've seen like an uptick in people wanting to hear, you know, more authentic just conversation. You know, getting into the nuance of things and um, you know with the news that can be so blurbish and short and just very polarizing you know it's like it's uh you don't get you don't get kind of the the humanity in some ways and and perhaps both sides of things so I think we wanted to just have something that was real and um yeah oh and maybe another thing to say and I'm white so that's. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, that he I'm is white. a white man. Yes, yes, indeed. He is not the white man, but he is no. a white man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, and I am not white. Mm-hmm. I, I am a man, though. Yeah. Uh, let's let's be clear. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm a black man. Um, and so we all, you know, we have some similarities. Uh, Jake and I both went to Virginia Wesleyan College. So shout out to Virginia Wesleyan mm-hmm. University now. University now. I was going to say, in, yeah. In, in, fancy. Yes, and... yes. Please clear our student loan debt. Thanks. And we're both two married men. Two, bar- two married mm-hmm. men. So I'm married mm-hmm. to the lovely Passion Cradle. 
And I am married to the elegant and gorgeous Sophie Eisdorfer. Come on, points! You know, I, I, I married them too, by the way. It was an amazing reception. I just it was pretty to, good. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, the food was great. Oh, um, yeah, the food was awesome. It was. Thank y'all, thank y'all for, for paying for that. I really appreciate it. It was good. No doubt. Yes, I ate everything. So, uh, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant is... Black Mamba. The Black Mamba is who, what we're talking about today for those, of course, who does not know that Kobe and his daughter and a few other mm-hmm. passengers, including the pilot, uh, passed away yeah. um, in a horrendous helicopter incident. I was in, I was in church when I found out. Where were you when you found out that Kobe I think it was this Sunday afternoon. So I was I was at home. I think I'd just come back from the gym and I was just I was on the couch and I I think I saw a reference. I saw a reference to Kobe in uh it was some kind of social media post. And the way it was referenced like made it sound like something legit had gone down and so I was like, What in the world is that about? So I so I was actually Googled him and it was like I think it was literally forty minutes after it happened and I saw the T M Z article and then I was like, ah, like, seriously? And so I kept kind of searching and then saw some of the news confirmations that were, uh, were confirming that it was, it was legitimate. And yeah, and then of course everything else just started to blow up. It was crazy because for me, I was with uh, my youth ministry. And so, uh, you know, church, church was about to start, and uh, so we were trying to keep the kids focused, but then at the same time trying to wrestle with, you know, like we're, we're about to go into worship while also wrestling with the fact that someone that we know, you know, has died and has died horrifically, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, before I go any further, I want to give our my condolences and our condolences to all of the victims. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because there was this, 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 this scuttlebutt on Facebook because people felt like everybody uh, was just highlighting Kobe or highlighting Kobe and his daughter mm-hmm. and not really considering the other passengers, you know. Yeah. that. How did you feel about it? Did you hear about that, Jay? I didn't hear about it. I mean, it was something I I thought about. Um, I wouldn't say quite a bit because in some ways it, it didn't surprise me, um, given Kobe's legacy and and also the just the way that the news does things around around um, you know any kind of celebrity and and I don't I don't mean that negatively in reference to Kobe as far as like celebrity status whatsoever, but just the fact that they weren't reporting around um, who these other individuals were or. Or, or really showing kind of um, due respect to them. It, I, I guess it just it didn't surprise me. Um, and so in some ways, I didn't, I didn't think a ton about it. But um, but it was noticeable for sure. Um, yeah, and just wondering how how they felt about that and um, how they were coping with, with obviously the tragedy in their lives. Um, yeah, it was just so sudden. It was it was a lot because even um, it, news reports also came out that um, when they found out that it was Kobe and his daughter that had passed, mm-hmm. that uh, the news hit before even the family could yeah. be alerted, and yeah. so 
Um, there was a lot of things going on. You know, when we are in shock, and you probably can speak more about this from a mental health standpoint, but um, when we're in shock, you know, we don't always take the time to really, uh, we don't always take the time or we don't always have the time to really uh, follow, but maybe our protocol, so mm-hmm. to speak, which is in shock, you know, and that's not validating um, how it, tra- you know, how it went down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, a lot of people are struggling with how to work through Kobe's passing. Um, mm-hmm. How, um, being that he was, and I, I went to Booker T in Norfolk. Shout out to Booker T. <laughs> and so I went to a very inner city, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, high school to where Kobe and and and, and Michael. Uh, these were individuals that were not just on TV, but they had become household names. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone had a jersey. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wanted to, to grow up and be Kobe. And and so um, people cried as if that was their best friend. Yeah. You know, um, and so there are a lot of people, whether they're Christian, whether they're Muslim or, you know, whatever uh, faith standpoint they come from that are wrestling with what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because of how close uh, Kobe has, be- you know, had become mm-hmm. in our life. And what do we do when um, it's somebody else that's close, you know? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it really, it really seemed to hit home, you know, and, and definitely much closer to home, I think, for some than for others and um I think I've I've seen you know firsthand and secondhand even just that that wrestling with the the why question you know of, and you know somewhat similar to to Nipsey Hussle of yeah. you know of, of why when when somebody who's who's engaged in in so much you know good uh, not only for themselves but for for such a large uh, amount of people, you know, at the community and national level, you know, of, uh, those questions inevitably come up, you know, and um, unfortunately, there's in the news, it's like then there's all the conspiracy theories that come out the woodwork. Um, I think which kind of taint. I think the the reality of that of that kind of true true suffering and true wrestling of of the why question you know i don't i don't know if you heard about the illuminati theories and you know whatnot mm-hmm. and actually i saw your post on facebook which i thought was perfectly well written and on time because um, it's, it's just it's just disrespectful and um yeah i think it just it detracts from from the reality of how how significant you know this this is um, i gotta speak to I got to speak to what's going on with conspiracy theorists. Um, and I, I won't call any names or whatever, but <laughs> I won't. But I don't know why it is that when there is some sort of devastation, uh, the first thing that we have to do is shoot to an alien is invading. We got to shoot to... You know, somebody is, is trying to take over, you know, the government. And, of course, you know, whatever. You know, there's so, like, like, like we have to shoot to the extreme. And uh, when I made my post on Facebook, my, my, my point was uh, people had conjured mm-hmm. that um, somebody, you know, specifically was trying to uh, 
to uh, kill Kobe and his daughter mm-hmm. in order to, to have a new world order. And I'm just like, you can't have, there's certain things you just, you that you just cannot say. You know, yeah. I know that we in a country where, you know, we are the quote unquote land of the free, home of the brave, whatever. That's wrong. You cannot just say certain things. Those things impact families, you know. And when we say certain things like that, it it really messes with the way that we grieve. Now, now on the other side, I recognize that conspiracy theorists or people that walk in conspiracy, I also recognize that for them, it's their way of, I guess, grieving. That 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 they have to blame or have to create or believe some sort of narrative in order for them to cope. But I think to you know, but to project it onto, um, to to project it as truth, um, I, I don't, I you know, I don't know how that fits, man. I, I told somebody on Facebook, like, look, if 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 I am in a helicopter accident, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the first thing that y'all got to say to my wife is that it was because of the Illuminati. I'm coming to haunt everybody. <laughs> Because that's not mm-hmm. what you say to my wife. That mm-hmm. you know, you you can you need you need to keep that in the group chat of your phone. Yeah, that's not something that needs to go to my wife. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean in some ways, I think it's it's extremely naive too. But um, to your point of it, that sense of a, a different way of coping with grief, like uh, I think you you did a good job of really get, giving the benefit of the doubt. Um, <laughs> and, and speaking positively in some ways, I think from from another from another perspective, I think it's uh, it's also extremely it's not only self protective, um, but I think it like you mentioned blame, and I think that that some people really want to have um, something to place blame and to assign um, to assign that blame because in some ways it, it removes the the impetus and the responsibility for them to have to wrestle with the reality of tragedy and the reality of their own grief or even the reality of individual responsibility. Um, and, and I'm not going to like extrapolate on that, but come on, um, extrapolate. because, uh, you know, in some ways, like it, to say that Kobe was, it was killed by the Illuminati and this was all a conspiracy. It's like it, that then takes away from the rawness of this accident just happened. Right. It just happened. Right. And, and that therefore, an accident could happen to your loved one right. today or tomorrow. And in that, when these types of tragedies happen, there's like a sense of like, your security is somewhat ripped away. So it's kind of like, I mean, you, you, we can edit this out, but for you, you've explained like when somebody broke into your house that one time, it's like that security of my house is safe. Right. My house is safe. It gets ripped away for a minute. Right. And right. so if I come along and try to say, oh no, Wayne, like that, that was some Illuminati first world order type of stuff. Like, you know, in some ways, it's like you don't have to worry about right. like how that's something that could happen to you in the real world. You can assign blame to someone else, and that gives you another layer of somewhat security. Nah, and, keep that in there. I want you to keep that in there because of the fact that um, my house did get, get broken into. It was around the time that Cardi B's album came out because I, because I ended up doing a whole sermon called "Invasion of yeah. Privacy." <laughs> but anywho, but what blessed me in that tragedy was having. Um, my friend, shout out to G and, and, and you yourself, Jade, to come and just sit with me and be versus trying to assign blame versus trying to 
um, quote unquote, figure it out or help me figure it out, but just the sitting with, mm-hmm. you know, a person. And uh, I think that that's what we're called to do, whether, you know, regardless of, of where your faith is and, or, you know, what you ascribe to, people just need to sit with people, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think that one of the best um, notions of theology is that stuff happens, yeah. you know. And it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. everything, you know, we all say everything happens for a reason. And, you know, in some ways, you know, some things can absolutely work out for your good that, you know, God can use to to make it work out for you, yes. But some things just happen, mm-hmm. you know. And, and regardless of how it happens, regardless of why it happens, you know, God is the one that's holding us while it's all happening. You know, I really believe that that's just personally what I ascribe to. But Jake, there's more that happened with COVID. Because recently, uh, Gail King, you know Gail King. Gail mm-hmm. King uh, was the one that, re- that had interviewed R. Kelly. And remember, he had got upset. And yeah, she, was like, she was like, you know, Robert, you know. Yeah. So she was mm-hmm. interviewing, I think it's Lisa Leslie, mm-hmm. okay, WNBA. Yeah. And um, during the interview, you know, she's talking to, to uh, and I haven't seen the whole interview, but she's talking to um, Lisa Leslie about Kobe mm-hmm. and his legacy. And she asked if his uh, rape allegations, if they in some ways affected um, his legacy. And I love how she handled it because for her, she didn't dive in. She, she was ready for that question. I'm not mm-hmm. sure whether I'm not sure if she expected it from uh, Gail, but yeah. she, the way that she handled it, you know, for her, it was like I'm not even going to dive into that. You know, his mm-hmm. legacy is his legacy. You know, um, and it wasn't that she was condoning rape. Let's be honest sure. about that. You know, uh, we we wasn't there, etc. But the, you know, the community cried out. You know. Uh, against Gail, including Snoop Dogg. I saw something on mm-hmm. YouTube today where Snoop Dogg was like, well, I, I, I'm not going to say all that he said because Snoop Dogg was ready to ride uh-huh. on, on Gail King, but his thing was like, why are you always or why are we always being attacked and why would you use this opportunity to bring that up? You know, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like anybody was condoning what happened. You know, we, we don't know. Yeah. He was uh, they had a settlement with that, uh, you know, uh, supposedly. But it was like, why now would you have that conversation? And it mm-hmm. was also brought up of how come when uh, Harvey Weinstein or others are interviewed that those things don't come up, but yet when it's us, mm-hmm. you would do that. And why, Gail, would you choose this time that, you know, like, that that should have been in a group chat. That should have not been... <laughs> Yeah. What you what you interview Lisa Leslie about? How do you feel as uh, uh, a mental health counselor, as, as a person? At, um, how did how, what, what's your feedback about uh, what Gail did? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just so speaking as just myself, like as a person, um, I, I think I think two things uh, right off the bat. One. Uh, I wonder, and it's like, okay, like what, what was her thought process in, in bringing that specific question up so near 
this this tragedy. So it's like you know, if you're talking about a year down the road, then okay, maybe that's 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 different in, in talking about that topic. But is is that her trying to get like ahead of the curve and worried that that other people are going to start throwing shots at Kobe and and saying that because of these allegations, you know, over a decade ago, um, I don't know if it was two decades, mm-hmm. over a decade ago, yeah. um, are going to now taint his legacy. So she's trying to nip that in the bud. And have she and Leslie talked about this question already? And so Leslie's answer is like supposed to shut that down. You know, like so my my mind kind of goes there, but like I, I get the sense probably not. And so then my my mind immediately goes to it's like, yeah, timing, timing. Like that's not not an appropriate question um, to bring into play so near this death. And and you know it's like. When, when there's different, I guess this is the idea of intersectionality in some ways, of like, I understand that, that rape is an extremely, uh, it's a serious conversation that needs to have. And, Absolutely. And so I, I know that there's, you know, there's very much whole groups of, of people that are pushing that this, this needs to be part of the conversation and that this needs to be whenever, even if you're famous or celebrity, that like this needs to be a part of, of any conversation and put on the table and you don't get a pass just because you're a celebrity. So it's like, I get the sense that like, that is, is something that's being pushed, you know, especially now. And, and it's like, you know, to some degree, it's like, well, yeah, fair enough. Uh, however, then there's context and, and there's nuance to, you know, where and when are we going to push that type of conversation. And so, you know, what has it been? Two, a week and a half? A week and a half since Kobe's death yeah. that you want to have that focus is like, to me, just not, it, it's not appropriate. It's not, it's not um, taking into account, you know, especially the family's uh, grieving process and feelings, but, but for everyone else that's still grieving, um, it just, it's, it's like throwing the proverbial wrench into into that process. And and you know what? It's not that it's a conversation that doesn't have that it, that doesn't need to be had. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause to be honest, when when everything came out about R. Kelly, people used that that same uh, narrative of of oh y'all trying to mess up his legacy and that don't uh-huh. all and you know and it was like wait a minute, this man has been accused of X, Y, and Z. Do not play the legacy card. And mm-hmm. so, but I think in this ways, and so, and so, it's not that Kobe is above reproach any more than R. Kelly was above reproach any more than Weinstein or Moonves or Cosby. Mm-hmm. You know, um, none none of those people are above repro- you know approach of abuse of abuse. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in light of someone's death, especially when it's been a case that has been um, closed. And closed does not mean that everybody has healed. I want to be very mm-hmm. sensitive and mindful. Yeah. Um, right. But I, I don't think that the, that, that the black community, uh, not that I speak for all of the black community, but I am black, um, I don't think we expected that mm-hmm. from her, you okay. know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we expected that maybe from, you know, a white reporter, you know. Yeah. Um, and so in the sense that, you know, we feel like, hey, or one one may feel like, hey, like, you know, uh, we have a code, you know, um, mm-hmm. as African-Americans and 
one of those is, hey, life is already hard already. Don't make it harder. Be mindful of, you know, the influence that you have, especially within the media. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a time where you um, talk about, you know, uh, the family or the legacy, things like that. Why would you bring that up to Lisa Leslie? Not sure. You know, and so... Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. So again, I don't know if that was a clout thing. If that I mean, was. has she has she responded? Like in in talk, Gail has Gail responded? And, she and responded supposedly, um, and I I haven't seen it, but there but there was allegedly some sort of response from Gail to clarify, because again, everybody, uh, regardless of what color, was ready to ride on Gail for that, saying, "Hey, that was not the time mm -hmm. to do that," you know. And who who told you? that that was the, the best time to have that conversation, you know. Yeah. I think sometimes in general, uh, us and those in the media try to um, be edgy or try to, like you said, kind of be the one to kind of get that story first or mm -hmm. have that conversation first. And it's like, hmm, is that the best time to kind of have that conversation? It does need to be had. Um, yeah. But not, I don't think, you know, two weeks after this man has has passed in a tragic helicopter incident where, where his family is trying to bury, yeah. you know, uh, a husband and a daughter. You yeah, know? and I think about, like, what, like, motivation behind bringing up some of these, these questions. That, like, what was, what was the motive and what was the good that was attempting to be done necessarily in the timing of that question? And, and it, it makes me think to some degree, somewhat different, uh, t not necessarily topic, but... It's a different situation, but like with, with Michael Vick, and it's like you know yeah. all of his his dogfighting history and the two years he spent in prison and everything that he's had to do since then to, um, that's been a long time, and yet all those things are resurfacing again now because you know in some ways he's been more involved in the media and he was going to be the captain of the Pro Bowl and mm -hmm. you know he was speaking about Lamar and um. So it's like all of these things all of a sudden come out the woodworks and it's kind of like, again, what, what's the motivation behind, behind pushing this and, and what's really what is, a, is this appropriate timing and, and what are you coming for yeah, um, yeah. to some degree? And so, I mean, obviously for Kobe, that's amplified right. quite a bit because of his death. Um, but yeah, that's what just makes me think about that. Yeah, I think the media has a way, um, the media has a way, from my experience of being a black man, of rehearsing black pain mm -hmm. um, and re-injuring uh, black communities by um, always being able to uh, rehearse, bring back up what occurred in ways that does not happen to white people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because this, we don't do this to Weinstein, you know. There, there are certain people. Um, we we don't even do this to, do this to Trump, you know. But yet, you know, and again, uh, abuse is abuse, you know. A trespass is a trespass, and so I, I'm not trying to compare uh, tragedy or pain, but but I'm just saying that that there are ways by which the media does not love black people or does not. Um, that that does not showcase uh, African Americans, Blacks, minorities in the best light. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, for you know, for example, when uh, Trayvon Martin Martin was killed, I was in the Bahamas when Trayvon Martin was killed or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or at least I was in the Bahamas pastoring when his case went down. They found the most uh, craziest pictures of Trayvon Martin, you know. Um, that that the little nice you know self portraits they found the ones where he had on a hoodie where he looked yeah. you know like a gangster they found yeah. those you know why is it that it's whatever's gonna fit your narrative yeah it's like we do stuff to kind of fit the narrative you know mm-hmm. um, and so as 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 people that are living in a social media world where whereby we all have a microphone we all have a platform we all got a phone we gotta be responsible. Um, for what for for what we say, how we say it, and we have to really recognize the influence that we have when we sign up, sign on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or who or wherever, and make these posts. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it makes me think of uh, you might have to help me with this because it's somewhat half baked and we'll stay, half-baked. On, stay on topic, but. Uh, I think, especially in, in the social media world, and especially with news, mm-hmm. it's like I think I think these are examples of um, when you push a specific, uh, I'll say, ideology or or one specific narrative or slash belief, and you push that regardless of of what the truth is around the matter or whatever is really going on, and so it's like if your if your banner so to speak, is, uh, is around, um, you know, animal wellness or, or taking care of ensuring that animals aren't abused, which I think is a phenomenal cause. It's like that, that has to be said. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And again, like back to Michael Vick, it's like it doesn't condone anything that he did. Mm-hmm. However, it's like if that's the only lens that you're going to have, and so when anything about Michael Vick comes up, your banner is, oh, I've got to now push this banner and, and condemn him as an, as an animal abuser, then it's like, well, then you miss that potential lens that might be more important of, oh, now you're tearing down another black man in the community who, yes, may have done something wrong, paid his dues, went to jail, spent two years, came out, was blackballed by the media, couldn't get a job in the NFL, finally was signed by Andy Reid, who took a shot at him because Tony, Tony Dungy, Colts owner, was helping him out and mentoring him. Mm-hmm. And Michael Vick since then has done everything possible to reshape his his character and his mm-hmm. image and, and that's that's been pretty consistently shown as authentic right but it's like you can't see that if your banner and your lens is all about this one specific idea and if you don't let that go and so in the same way you're talking about like yeah. i don't hear you at all saying that like yeah nobody should ever come at, at bill cosby for what he did because then you're just tearing down a black man in the media it's right like, well no that that's not what you're saying either however you are saying that that it's, it's very commonplace to see that if a black man does something um, potentially wrong or there's allegations around it, then that's going to get trumped up, blown up, and, and that's going to push this narrative that, okay, so the black man is like akin to the criminal, which, mm-hmm. is, which is a very historic idea, but it's carried through, and it's, and it's, it's a reality. You know, it's a very historically racist idea that's, that has been pushed through the media, and it's, and it's lingered and it's stayed. Um, and I think, you know, I think a lot of white people get frustrated when, when that gets said because they want to say, well, you're just trying to, to basically acquit, you know, any black man that gets in trouble. You're just going to say that if we 
we put him in the media than than, than we're being racist and, and they get frustrated with that because of that idea but it's like okay but you need to know that this is a reality that's been happening for you know nigh on two three hundred years and and it hasn't gone away so it's like you, you mm-hmm. can't just mm-hmm. throw it under the rug and, and pretend as though everything is 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 on the same playing field right now so I don't know if that thought is like stayed consistent but yeah I mean I mean it, it does and and it's something that it's been going on for for I would say more than 300 years Jake I just mean media wise right that. right and I would say um it's even reinforced now in our prison in our prison system, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, M- Michelle Alexander came out with an amazing book about the new Jim Crow. Yeah, for sure. um, that speaks about how prisons are built um, based upon a child's third grade performance, you know, um, and how we reinforce uh, Jim Crow Jim Crow laws uh, within our prison system, and so. Our, our black men, you know, they are targeted. They're seen as criminal, like you said. They end up going to prison. Uh, they're stripped of their rights. They can't vote. They can't get a job. Um, they, they may not be, be able to get into school. They come out and then they recidivate. Now they go back, you know. Uh, and so in, in, in society, they're looked at as, oh, man, they, you know, they just can't get it right. Not recognizing that there is this whole system that has been, you know, uh, created to keep them um, down, to keep them um, in prison population, you know. Um, so, yeah. And I'll just, uh, I know, like, and that's a, um, like the school to prison pipeline and, and prison reform and, um, you know, what you just shared, which I would encourage anybody to, to check out The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander because it is, it's a really, um, it's very statistically based and she references a lot of studies and, so um, it, it's a good read, but I, I think my encouragement that I would offer encouragement is that even though this is somewhat of a hot topic, and I'm sure a lot of people listening may have immediate reactions to that, um, and probably their own thought process about like why that may not be the case, and you know think about all the nuances and whatnot. But I, I would still encourage you to to take an actual look um, at at the history and the progression of. Um, of just even the laws around not only like prison reform, just uh, some of the racist ideas um, that kind of got codified into the law and how the language just simply changes as time has passed, but kind of the intention is still there. And, um, and, and that's a really insidious kind of thing to say. And so it's, it's not a pretty thing to look at. And, and in some ways you're kind of like, well, man, like that can't possibly be the reason that was there. And it's like, well, like, go look at it and go look at, at why what was happening around that time and why those laws were specifically made you know and we can talk about uh, crack and cocaine you know in the 80s and yeah. and the three strike law and how you know just a lot of those things were were very race related and, absolutely and that's that's a triggering thing to say you know especially for some white people but um, but go check it out like go go read some of the history around it um, so, so you're not necessarily just like swallowing automatic opinions, but also so you're not just falling prey to your own objections um, based on what you see around you. Because what you see around you may not be exactly reflective of, of what has actually taken place. Um, and so you may not be seeing what's actually there. So 
that's kind of my, I don't know, plug or encouragement uh, to check out some of these. Uh, there's several books, you know, around it. Um, the New Jim Crow is, is one, and the other one that's really good is uh, the, the, the Definitive Historical Racism or Racist Ideas in America, and that's, um, that's a pretty thick volume, but that, that really traces it in, in pretty good detail. Um, so, so do some research. That, that's really what I'm saying. Do some research. Check it out. And, and I would say further, um, after you do your research, talk to your community. Mm-hmm. So what yeah, I mean yeah, by good. that is uh, one of the things that I applied my brother Jake for is Jake will go back and speak to his white counterparts, you know, um, and that's important. That And that's mm-hmm. important because of the fact that um, black people do not need white people to come to, you know, to come to us and to convince us that they understand uh, the issues of racism. I promise you. <laughs> yeah. That does for nothing sure. for the black community. You know, what helps mm-hmm. all communities that are oppressed is when whites are able to go back to their counterparts and, and be mm-hmm. able to say, y'all, this is what we need to discuss. This, here are the problems. And here are, here are where we are complicit um, in those problems. Here are where we benefit from privilege or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Those things, you know, having those conversations, um, those are what help people that are oppressed. And also it helps to tear down systems of oppression. And so, Jake, I definitely applaud you mm-hmm. uh, for that. Not that you need my applause, but I, I definitely sure, think sure, that sure, that's sure. dope. Um, yeah. And so we, we, we just want you guys to know uh, that there is an, an E.T. in everybody. E.T. sounds like mm-hmm. an alien, don't it? Uh, but there's an ET in everybody. You know, we're all trying to figure out what home looks like. We're all, in some ways, um, I believe, I think that all of us recognize um, the presence uh, of a creator. He, for, for Jake and out, we call him Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all recognize that within um, our wrestling with faith, that there's also a huge presence of doubt. Yeah. Um, that cannot be um, ignored, and I think that many times our doubts end up informing our faith, and our and our faith mm-hmm. can also inform our doubts um, as we walk together. And that, and I want you to know that your doubts do not make you any less no. um, faith filled. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they just make you more human. Yeah. And many times, uh, people of faith, especially, um, I recognize this as a pastor. Um, we believe that our faith uh, makes us these superheroes or make us, you know, uh, less than human, you know. Um, and that also can create some, um, some, some oppressive uh, structures even in our church, you know. Um, just, just uh, you know, I know we're kind of getting off the cuff, but it's all right. You know, we, um, in the church, we, we, we overwork our people. We are too busy and we have become less than human um, and we believe that we uh, can just go and go and go and we preach about keep going keep reaching keep pressing and we we don't ever preach about hey sit down slow down mm-hmm. listen to God go to sleep go to the doctor check yourself out rest 
Um, you know, if if God created Sabbath, if Jesus uh, went to sleep, why is it that we're not resting? Why is it that we're not taking care of ourselves? You know, why is it that we're not fitting with somebody? It's nothing wrong with going to see a counselor. It's nothing wrong with going to see a pastor. Mm-hmm. But go see somebody, you know, go sit with somebody versus just moving and going um, without any accountability, without any uh, rest, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, and I really like your point of... Uh in some ways you're saying like it's it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to be um to be really i mean in, in, they call it the dark night of the soul but yeah. to, to be able to be in that sense of darkness and it's like if you read the psalms like and you actually read the psalms i mean i'd say probably 70 percent of them are are that very experience of of david or the sons of korah or whoever may be writing that psalm you know, weeping or in anguish or questioning or God, why is this happening to me? And, and your word says this, but but my experience says something extremely different, which I think is is so important to to remember, especially when um, I think in a lot of ways, like you, you know, we we tend to get the very stereotypical answers to that of like, oh well, well, well God's in control or well God's promise says this, and it's like, well, I know it says that, and, and I get that, but like. But that's not my experience right now. And that's really hard. And so getting these kind of Band-Aid type, um, you know, somebody reciting some verse to you, it's like just off the cuff. Like, it, you know, it's different if like the Holy Spirit's like really prompting you to, to, to share some specific verse or word with somebody that, that you've kind of been praying around or what have you. Like, you know, that maybe can be beneficial. But like to just, to just automatically come up with some sort of Band-Aid verse you know, uh, for somebody who's really suffering is like, it is in some ways almost a slap in the face. And I think in some ways even turns people away from, from God's, um, from God's presence in, in some ways, because it's, it's, uh, I think anyone can relate to that of being in a place where somebody then gives you some sugar coated, um, cliche and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like, like, don't mm-hmm. give me that. Like, like, don't give me that. Um, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And so the ability to be able to sit with somebody who's, who's in anguish and, and wrestling um, and, and almost hold yourself back from, from offering some cookie-cutter anecdote, you know, it's, um, that's really important, I think. And, and I think that and there's no shame in that. And, and that God, God honors a lot of the Psalms and God honors David and, and he does meet us in our anguish, but uh, he's not angry with you if you're struggling. Um, and and that, that, I think, if you grow up in the church at least, um, and not for every, not everyone, but I think, I guess I'll just speak from personal experience because maybe not everyone has the same, but it's like, there, there is kind of that sense of shame of like, man, my faith must not be strong enough or like, I've just got to hold on or I can't question God in this way because that's irreverent, you know, like thinking of Job and like, well, well God's just, you know, God's God, so he can do what he wants and so I shouldn't, I shouldn't question him. Um, but, and I'll, and I'll finish with this because I'm going on, but I, I, I meditate a whole lot. You know, my name's Jacob and it is what it is, but... Hey. I think about Jacob wrestling with with the angel, wrestling with God in the tent. And like, I think about that a whole lot. And I think there's a lot to be taken from that of, um, 
that in some ways we have to wrestle with God. We, we have to wrestle. And he doesn't want us to necessarily just swallow everything because when our doubts come, we just stuff those doubts to the side and act mm-hmm. like we don't have them. Because that's not real. That's not authentic. That's not growing. And, it, and there's something to that twofold of, of God blessed Jacob at the end of their wrestle. Now, Jacob got his hip out of joint, and, and he kind of walked with a limp, which is important. He was a savage. Because he learns, he learns humility at the same time he was still blessed by God. And there's something in our wrestling where usually there's the result of, of when we come out of that wrestle, we have a sense of, of humility around our experience, and we also receive God's blessing, and that he's shown us something of himself that we wouldn't have seen if we didn't wrestle if we didn't go through the night he wrestled with God at night and so it's like if we don't go through the night and to some degree you know have that sense of back and forth I I think that that we miss something and I think in some ways we're immature and we're not going to know how to handle situations Um, and we're not going to know how to how to walk other people through them um, because we haven't been through it ourselves so Mm. I think so to to wrap up, I think uh, whether you're wrestling with Kobe, whether you're wrestling with Gail, whether you're wrestling with uh, racial itch, uh, tensions, which we all are, whether you're uh, wrestling with God, mm-hmm. wrestling with your mind, um, you know, whatever it is that you're wrestling with, I think that uh, a huge takeaway is that it's okay to wrestle. Um, that, if, that if Christ can handle the cross, then he can definitely handle your questions. And um, that in the midst of the wrestling, in the midst of that Emmanuel Thomas, you know, moment of knowing that, you know, there's hope, but also knowing that there's doubt. Um, I think it's important to know that at the end of the day, there's a God that's holding you and holding us mm-hmm. and all of it. And so from Jake from uh, Jake uh, and from me this is Emmanuel Thomas hope you enjoyed our first episode yeah for sure God never leaves you nor nor forsakes you even if it doesn't feel like he's there for sure Um, so appreciate you guys and hope you hang with us and we will we'll continue to do this yes if you like it then uh, definitely subscribe to what we're doing Uh, definitely check us out uh on Instagram, we're on Facebook, all of that. So, mm-hmm. God bless. All right, love you guys.